You know, it's hard to believe that only two years ago we were talking about the Internet as a lofty academic sort of place where you could do things like search the Library of Congress catalog and read research papers on fruit fly migration patterns. Well, the business world has now discovered the Internet, and it's as if a giant shopping mall has suddenly moved in next door to the old Internet public library. In the first of a new summer series we called Consumed by Technology, Peter Ruccavina joins me now to talk about going shopping in cyberspace. Good morning, Peter. Hi, Wayne. Welcome back to the show. Thank you. So, business has jumped online, eh? Well, yes, it has, in a, in a very, very big way. Uh, now, as you suggested, it's hard to believe that just a couple of years ago we were still uh, having a raging debate out there on the Internet about whether even mentioning something vaguely commercial-sounding on the Internet was acceptable at all. I remember that. Uh, many long-time Internet users, you know, people in universities and colleges and governments, uh, they were convinced that if the Internet sort of sold out to business, it would lose that sort of fuzzy, anarchic, information-sharing sort of feeling that had developed over something like 20 years of, of being a, a sort of secret nerds-only <laughs> club. Now, all that's changed, and you'd be hard-pressed to find a business, whether it's a small business or a large business, that isn't on the Internet right now or in the process of, of getting there soon. Yeah, but Peter, now when we say that uh, a business is on the Internet, I mean, what does that really mean? Well, that can mean a whole bunch of things. What it usually boils down to is something called a home page. That's really a, sort of a starting place or a page one for a business's electronic presence. Now, some businesses, they just have a very simple home page. They, they list their address, their telephone number. They might have a paragraph or two about what it is they do, maybe a picture or two of, of themselves or their building or, or their products. Other businesses, they, they dive in with both feet. They'll have thousands of pages of product information online. They'll have order forms that you can fill out right on your computer screen. They'll have lifestyle magazines, contests, whatever they can dream up to get people to come to their Internet site and hang around for a while. Now, no matter how extensive a company's Internet presence is, uh, most businesses are trying to do two things online. First, they're trying to build their brand identity, sort of what Coke and Pepsi try to do with those sort of ethereal television commercials. Uh, they're also trying to sell stuff. Now, when you say selling stuff, right, uh, do you mean something along the lines of electronic catalog shopping, like the old Eaton's and Sears catalog? Well, I, I guess I can answer that best with a, a couple of personal examples. Uh, I must admit to being something of a sort of a home shopping uh, cynic. It's never really turned me on necessarily. Uh, I've never been one to order things from the home shopping channel, and I, I don't really tend to order things from catalogs. But I, I must admit to recently have becoming something of, a, of an online shopper. And, and so I can tell you some real life stories or stories from the field to let you know what it's actually like to, to shop online, to buy stuff. Uh, for me, online shopping really works for three things, for buying CDs and tapes, for buying books, and for buying computer software. And lately I found myself doing one or the other of those uh, a couple of times a month. Well, how does it work? I mean, for instance, you're, if you're buying a book online, can you explain to us just how that process works from start to finish? Well, typically I'll have a, a specific book in mind. I, I don't really find the Internet a good place to sort of browse around for books. It doesn't really have that genuine bookstore feel to it. So with my specific book in mind, I'll dial up the Internet. I'll go to an online bookstore's home page. I'll select the option on their home page to search through their catalog of books. I'll be able to enter an author or a title or the subject of the book I'm looking for. And then very shortly thereafter, I'll get a list on my screen of, of all the books in their catalog that, that fit that bill. Uh, I'll give you a concrete example of this. Uh, a couple of months ago, I rented a movie from the video rental place called Speechless. It was about a man and a woman. It was set inside a U.S. federal election campaign. And she manages the Republican campaign. He manages the Democrat campaign. And somehow they meet and they fall in love and they get married. 
Now, I knew all of this was based on a true story, and I'd read somewhere that the two real people who were involved in the story had actually written a book about the experience. I had no idea who they were. Now, to find out the answer to that question, I relied on a very low-tech solution. I picked up the phone. I phoned my brother, Steve, and I said, Steve, you know, I need the answer to this question. Of course, as soon as he heard it, he immediately said, being young and all, uh, oh, you mean the book by James Carville and Mary Mathlin? So I had my answer to that question. Now, being a, a sort of home shopping cynic, as I suggested, the, the first thing I logically did was I just picked up the phone and I phoned my local bookstore. Uh, there's no sense in buying something online from uh, you know, something that I, I'm not necessarily used to if I can just go down the block and get it. So I told them I was looking for a book by James Carville and Mary Matlin. It had something to do with the U.S. election campaign. Well, they searched their computer, and strangely enough, nothing came up. Uh, they looked in their microfiche, and they rustled through some catalogs, and there was nothing there. So they sort of looked at me and sort of suggested that maybe this book didn't exist, and I might have been imagining it. And the, the suggestion was heavily there that maybe I should just leave now, and, and they could go on with their work. So. I did leave, and I went home, and I, and I turned on the computer, and I decided it was time to give this online shopping thing a whirl. So I ended up at a bookstore, which is, uh, has the odd name of Amazon.com, a sort of Internet-ease sort of name. I found out later on that it's somewhere in Seattle. Not in Brazil. Not in Brazil, <laughs> but, but close enough if you're in PEI. Uh, from their home page, I clicked on Search Our Catalog. I entered Carville, James in the blank. I clicked on Search Now, and a couple of seconds later, the titles of seven books were listed on my screen, and included in those seven books were three different versions of what I now knew was called All's Fair, Love, War, and Running for President. There was a paperback, a hardcover, and an audiobook. So I clicked on audiobook, and I then clicked on Buy Items Now, entered my name, my mailing address, my credit card number, told them that I wanted the book shipped uh, by regular mail, and that was it. A week later, the book was waiting for me in the post office. Uh, you sub in CDs and tapes for books, and the process works much the same way. Hang on, I did hear you say they asked for your credit card number, and you gave it out over the Internet? I, I, I did sort of Does squeeze anyone, that in there. Anyone else hear the alarm bells going off here? I mean, we're told never disclose your credit card so easily. I mean, is that something that's safe and secure for you to do, Peter? It, it depends on who you talk to, and I guess it really depends on who you give your credit card number out to. Nothing that passes through the Internet is ever 100% secure, and I, and I actually don't think it ever will be. There will always be someone somewhere trying to get at that information and use it for evil purposes, uh, just as there will always be people trying to break into houses and, and steal cars. Uh, but just as you can put a deadbolt on your front door, you can be careful about who you give out secret information, like your credit card number, to online. Most online stores, they operate something called a secure server. This means, in essence, that when you send information from your computer to their computer, that information gets encrypted along the way while it's passing over the Internet. So that even if someone actually does manage to get that at, at, at that information while it's on the Internet, it'll sort of be useless gibberish. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's a decoding when you say encrypted. It's coded. It's coded, and then it's decoded when mm -hmm. it gets to the other end. Exactly. Now, encryption has been around for a long time, since the First or the Second World War, and probably even before then. Uh, but encrypting credit card numbers and the like over the Internet, it's only re really been done for, for a little more than a year now. So it's not exactly what you would call a, a mature technology. Now, that said, there are now thousands of people buying thousands of things every day online, and it's, it's very rare that you ever hear of a big security breach. And pretty soon we're going to see places like MasterCard and Visa and, and the big banks, they'll be jumping into the game and sort of offering that, that, uh, that extra little bit of se uh, security. So I think we're only going to see things getting more and more secure, but there's always going to be a risk. I guess for me personally, I feel about as comfortable in typing in my credit card number over the Internet as I do giving it out to someone I don't know when I call a, a toll-free 1-800 number to, mm -hmm. to order something from a catalog. 
I know there's a risk, but uh, I'm willing to take that risk because it's so convenient. All right. Now, you mentioned earlier buying computer software over the Internet. Is that any different than the experience, say, of buying a book or buying a CD? Well, the real difference is not in the actual ordering. I, you know, I go to the home page, I enter my information, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. The real difference is in the delivery. Now, whereas a book or a CD, it's, it's sitting in some large warehouse maybe in, in Seattle, and it has to get from there to me when I order it. Uh, computer software is quite literally invisible. It's digital information, and the Internet moves digital information around. Uh, so the neat thing about buying software online is that you can get it delivered right over the Internet. Uh, you go to a software store's electronic homepage. You enter your name and your credit card number, and the software you order automatically gets transferred to your computer where you can then set it up and use it right away. Uh, this is true whether it's a word processor or a spreadsheet or even the latest video game. Mm -hmm. So it saves on delivery charges. This is instant delivery in other words. Well, it's, it's not quite instant delivery. Uh, if you've ever be to, uh, bought a, a piece of software from a, a store down the street, you know that it sometimes comes on 10 or 15 or 20 floppy disks, and each of those disks can hold quite a lot of information. Uh, to squeeze that amount of information over the Internet, it takes a little bit of time. Just to give you an example, I, I recently ordered a scheduling program over the Internet, and I paid for it with my credit card. Uh, it took about 45 minutes to transfer from the store's computer to my computer. So it's not quite instant, but uh, as I often say, it's, it's a lot easier than getting in my car and driving all the way to Seattle to, mm -hmm. to pick up the software myself. And if it doesn't work, can you instantly return it too? Well, I, ironically, you can. The question, I suppose, arises, what do you return if it's invisible? But uh, they, they do offer a money-back guarantee. So I, I suppose that just means you have to pretend it never existed. Uh, it sounds so convenient, the way you've described it here. I'm wondering, should island retailers, I mean, people selling uh, day in, day out, one-on-one uh, -on -one with people in the stores, should they be concerned, fear losing business to these new cyber stores, Peter? Well, yes and no. I, I think that uh, not only island retailers, retailers in general, no matter where they're located, they're going to have to start uh, looking at their competition not as the, just the guy down the street who's selling the same thing as them, but as the, the guy or the thousands of guys that are all around the world competing with them. Uh, as much as I'd like to be able to buy locally, why should I order a book or a CD or a piece of software from someone down the street with poor selection and grumpy staff and high prices when I can get great selection and responsive staff and decent prices online. Now, there are obviously some businesses that have to worry more than others. I, I don't think that buying furniture or tractors or heads of lettuce is going to take off anytime soon. There, there are certain things that I think people are always going to want to pick up or kick the tires of or just sort of be able to take a look at before they buy. But if you're selling something which is pretty generic, books or tapes or CDs or uh, software, yes, but, but also anything from jeans to tea towels to modems, I think being quick and lean and customer friendly and all those sort of customer responsive things, it's going to be more and more important uh, or you're going to find your customers just going to Seattle like I did. Uh, or they're going to go down the street to a new upstart who's got a warehouse and a computer and, and zero overhead. Mm -hmm. uh, what the Internet cannot offer and what I don't think it will ever be able to offer is the feeling that comes from what I'd call truly amazing customer service from real friendly local people who are your neighbors. And uh, my, my best example of this perhaps is, uh, is one, something that happened to us last summer. We were, uh, we were renovating our bathroom. It was a Saturday night at 7.30 and we were in the middle of things and we needed four inches of metal strapping before we could go on. Now, I got in my car. I drove up the road to Bobby Close's store in Hampshire before he closed at 8 o'clock and sure enough, he had metal strapping. Now, a whole roll of this stuff was 100 feet or 1,000 feet or some enormous amount and cost 12 or $15 and I didn't have that much. I only needed four inches. 
Well, no matter. Bobby snipped off four inches, charged me 37 cents, and I was on my way. <laughs> now, I don't think I'm in any hurry to look for four inches of metal strapping for 37 cents on the Internet anytime yeah. soon. I can appreciate that local, friendly service. It does really is going to be the selling card. Exactly. Uh, I want to thank you very much, Peter, for this uh, first look at our series, Consumed by Technology. And uh, we look forward to your next visit. Peter Bacavina.